Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Cast Without Trace, a podcast without a trace. Zuko was, uh, Zuko was like searching for something. Now he's done, so I did can. He, did he I find it? Yeah, I'll, I'll start that over. All right. <laughs> shake it out, shake it out. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Welcome back to another episode of Cast Without Trace, a podcast without a trace. As always, I'm Dunk, they, them pronouns, and I'm joined by... Hello, I'm Jason. He, him, pronouns are fine. And Dunk, there's a lot to talk about today. It's I feel like, what, it's been a while since we've done one of these, but the other side of it is that there's been a lot of news. So yeah, it's... Um, a, a smorgasbord of, of content to talk about today. Yes, yes. It's it's been a little bit, and uh, you know what? We took a, a much needed little break during the end of term for both of us. Uh, I think with yeah. you finishing your program. Yeah, I'm like I'm done school now, like probably forever. So that's a weird Whoa. feeling because it's been everything I've done for the last six years has just been post secondary. So, um, yeah, now I'm trying to get out into the real world and do something meaningful with my life, which is terrifying. Oh and you got to balance <laughs> but, doing something meaningful with uh earning income yeah exactly yeah. that's exactly the problem isn't it <laughs> so much fun yeah yeah um yeah just do what i do and be a student forever i i considered it but i think it's time that i unless i go back for like a master's of something at some point creative writing or something then i think i'm i think i'm done i mean i i look forward to to seeing what you come out with when you do that because i feel like yeah. that's that's a very much a jason move um, but yeah, we do have a lot of news. Last episode, we were almost like trying to figure out what to come yeah, up with for the next I'd... episode, <laughs> thinking about doing different episode ideas that we had for when there's no D&D news. And yet there is a constant string yeah. of, of D&D news. Um, so yeah, it, it seems as though Wizards has decided for us what we want to talk about for this this episode. Yeah, Wizards and and other people. So and that's others, like yes. a whole bunch of different groups have decided to to put out content. So this is uh, we're we're I, I thought we were going to be in a drought, but it turns out we're not. Turns out we have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, firstly, we do have some follow up, uh, partially because of some uh, very lovely listeners uh, reaching out, getting some grapes in and also clearing up some information um, and helping us along, which is super helpful um, and super appreciated. So if you uh, have any issue to whatever we say coming forward, um, yeah, please do like shoot us a message. It doesn't even have to be an issue if, if you have thoughts on something or uh, want to bring something to our attention uh, please feel free to reach out to us uh, any any communication method that you want cwtpod uh, on yes. instagram and twitter uh, and then I, i'm sure I, pretty much anyone who listens to this also has a direct co- line of contact to either me or you so either like, way yeah um well i mean like that that would require such a huge social circle because we have like yeah, thousands upon thousands of listeners right 
that's yeah um, i mean you know yeah, like, I, I, we just our inbox is just flooded with uh <laughs> with uh sponsorship deals that we're just like we want to really remain grassroots right now so oh we're yeah not, we're indie know, baby no clash of clans advertisements on cast without trace yet yet um <laughs> on a completely unrelated note uh you know this episode is brought to you uh by harry's uh harry's uh shaving kits are the best in the world uh i don't shave uh i don't know why i'm doing this okay <laughs> You know, if we were gonna get a sponsor, I'd be like, "Harry's is not." Well, I don't know. I don't. I want to leave the door open, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I assume that you you shave. You don't have any sort of facial hair. I um, I occasionally, I you know, less than I should, I shave. But so, firstly, uh, we talked about in our Tasha's episode, um, the Oath of Glory, and uh, we talked about some. You know, our, our, our feelings toward that, mostly myself, if I'm being honest, uh, was talking about this. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm the one to put on blast for that. Um, Oath of Glory. Uh, so it was specifically written for, like, the ancient Greece uh, play setting. I can't remember what that was called or what the source book was called for that. Uh, Theros is yeah, that one. It's an yes. MTG setting originally that they turned into uh, a D&D setting. Yeah, so uh, when they made it into a D&D setting, they had a bunch of uh, new cool options, including the Eloquence Bard, um, and then, of course, they had the Oath of Glory, um, and the Oath of Glory idea was kind of to be like a, uh, you know, classic Greek demigod hero, uh, you know, like uh, Hercules or um, Theseus or something like that. Um, obviously not not Jason, because he is the only only Greek hero to not be directly from zeus's uh genitals Mm -hmm. yeah i'm proud to be named after him yeah i mean there you go you're you're in the toronto area uh we got the argonauts here (laughs) i feel like exactly coaching them exactly but we don't care about real sports we care about uh fun games so uh we talked about the like sort of inherent uh imperial aspects of the way that it's kind of written in tasha's uh without the context of the ancient greece play setting uh the theros setting and uh that that's like really important because when you think about it like hercules or theseus um or perseus then like you don't necessarily have that inherently imperial because it's about like finding glory and finding a claim um usually for people uh of more humble origins right being raised as uh, often enough the, the mythos is being raised as, as bastards right um you know because they don't have a, a father figure because their father figure is a god that you know uh dipped so uh the the aspect of finding glory and doing that aspect and becoming it's it's kind of like a folk hero aspect almost um, and that that is really cool. Um, that's a really fun way to play it. Although when you take it outside of that context, uh, like it is in Tasha's Cauldron, it does kind of bring that vibe. So if there are players who uh, don't have that sort of like Theros uh, a- aesthetic to it, um, that might be worrisome. But um, if they do understand the context that it's coming from and such, that'd be awesome. I mean, like, you know, with all the topics of, you know, uh, D&D and, uh, you know, diversity, racial inclusion, and all that, um, you would think that they would maybe put some sort of claimer on that, but uh, yeah. they did not. I, f- I feel like it's still valid to say that this subclass might attract problem players, um, even if the subclass itself isn't necessarily, like, inherently it shouldn't have been printed or whatever. Um, yeah. So it's still something to keep an eye out for if you're running something at a table. 
Yeah, and I mean, like I, I've mentioned, like you know, often enough, I think paladins feel a little bit like that for me in general. Yeah. Just like I guess being a, a master of theology student, um, looking at like actual <laughs> theological doctrine and, and religious formation, um, the idea of a paladin feels weird. But uh, you know, that yeah. that might just be my own nerdiness influencing my nerdy game. Um, yeah, then, then you know, you have to take it from the, your other half, which is the English literature side, and you have to like, oh, you know, the the tales of Greek heroes. You have to like balance those things, right? Yes, so. because the one the one like Greek mythos uh, course that I took in our English degrees, uh, you know, definitely was my favorite course, and I totally enjoyed that, and I I totally I, didn't I, just I sense name... some amount of sarcasm. Yeah, no, I I totally didn't just like name. A, a villain for my uh, monster of the week adventure after the the prof for that course because he sucked so bad not um, to name any names <laughs> well i mean like you know the name and i, I guess do know our name. our uh audience favorite brent bellamy would know the name but uh, he also would and i'm sure there's at least one other person who listens to this that might be able to you know get there but um yeah, let's <laughs> let's let's, let's focus less on that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So uh, another thing that was mentioned, uh, brought up by some fans, is um, new books have been sort of reprinting old stuff uh, purely because uh, the community has been seeing such a large growth of new players, which is absolutely fantastic, and people getting more into the game and all that. But obviously, uh, to do that, there is some sort of uh, you know price blockage there, I guess, or or paywall. Yeah. Uh, with Definitely. source materials, specifically source books, right? Oh yeah, you know, you need like Xanathar's Guide, and you need like the Theros play setting, and like the Sword Coast Adventure Guide, and all this other stuff. It starts to feel a little bit bogged down in, in, in the amount of books that you need to buy to have a, a wide variety, a variety of range, I guess, for character creation yeah. and such. Um, so the idea for Tasha's Cauldron of Everything and also Monsters of the Multiverse was supposed to kind of like bring a lot of this stuff to together uh, so that people that are coming into this uh, didn't have to buy all these other uh, source mm -hmm. books that they probably wouldn't be utilizing for the intended purpose, but rather for the ancillary material. The only real issue that I had with it was that like Monsters of the Multiverse was not accessible outside of like a huge bundle. And I don't think it is yet until like the end of this month, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, um, I think it's coming. Out that's the only month. issue I really have with it is that like for legacy players, it almost feels like like we're gated from content because it's bundled with two or three other books that we already own. Um, yeah. So I, I just I don't, I don't understand the motivation to not release the the solo book at the same time that they release. Yeah, the, I, uh, I the think bundle. I saw on the um, on on the D and D Wizards of the Coast website. Um, I think I did see something about pre-orders for that book being available yeah. now, like just like really quietly uh, being yeah, announced. Yeah, yeah. As like, opposed yeah, to I think it, I think it's going to become available solo at the end of May. But I, again, I yeah, I just, it's, it's set like, to it was available. Yeah, it's set to release later this month. Um, yeah, but I, I think pre-orders are now available for the individual book. Um, yeah. yeah, and then of course, Monster of the Multiverse also has like some completely new versions of like very long established monsters and such, uh, yeah. which is like a very interesting change. Cause it's like, if you're bringing all this old stuff together and then you're like completely remaking goblins and hobgoblins and such, um, you know, it, it, it does feel just a little bit weird. No. I, I just think that like they're setting a new precedent, right? Like it's, mm -hmm. it's um, for players that are coming in, they might not have the same expectations that legacy players do. Um, either from the beginning of 5e or from before. So I think this would actually be the time to change those kind of things um, because 
new players don't necessarily have those expectations. You know, you're so. you're 100 correct. I think maybe I was a little bit colored by our last conversation for Monsters of the yeah. Multiverse with like, you know, talking about oh yeah, you know, like, you know, they're they're new versions that can be used instead of or alongside, or you can still use the old versions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of that idea of like Monsters of the Multiverse being like for the different campaign settings and stuff. Um, but like, yeah, you know, I I think that's a a very good point to make. Uh, you know, it is the time to bring in new changes um which does of course uh bring up the question does that benefit or um sort of nullify aspects of the argument for like a 4.5 or 5.5 sorry yeah 5.5 yeah i i actually i I was gonna bring this up um because we still don't know anything about what like the new version or like the, the whatever it is that's coming out next year um so it's definitely like I think they're setting up some kind of 5.5 like revamp of the system but I'm not going to get excited until we hear something right like if they if they come out and they're like oh yeah by the way like in 5.5 like we're not going to have classes anymore like you're just going to pick your abilities wholesale from like different you know you just have a list and like what do you get to a certain level you pick something from a list it's like okay now i'm gonna get excited but until we get some news like that something that's like gonna actually shake up the game i don't know i'm just i'm not really gonna worry about it too much yeah 100 percent um yeah i mean like if, if anything like that kind of announcement is going to be coming out next year anyway right uh cause yeah. that's the actual anniversary or maybe or... like late this year yeah like uh near, near around like the holidays this year i don't know we'll see yeah i i wouldn't be surprised if we saw some holiday uh you know fourth quarter ua come out uh concerning yeah. that kind of stuff um yeah. yeah and then like i guess last little piece a little piece of follow-up is you know we talked about Dragonlance and the heroes of crane mm-hmm. ua um and there's already a revision out you know yeah. quick quick uh, quick turnaround uh quick reviews uh apparently the uh the lunar magic um subclass and such uh is a-okay it's ready to print it's gonna go off uh as is however the kender race and also um the knights of salamnia feet are just uh not not where they need to be so they they completely kind of rehauled some of this stuff and all all the feats as well um so it's it's really really just a a a complete change for some of these things uh the kendo Mm -hmm. race has been revised already and they've completely removed the random item mechanic altogether yeah um so So all that's obviously we had some issues with that we yeah, had some issues with that ability. Um, I think it's a shame to lose it entirely, but I understand like maybe there just wasn't a way to do it without it feeling clumsy. So I, I mean, here's the thing: we we had some issues with how they brought it about. I I think you maybe had more gripes about that uh, than I did with the idea of like having to pull out like a different list or yeah. whatever because I would have just like made something. Um, yeah, I guess so like, for but... for players to use and such, but um, or I would have found something online that would just be like a good, mm-hmm. uh, like spreadsheet list. Like that was the, the really interesting aspect of that playable race. That, that was like something that I thought was like really cool. And now that's just completely gone. So it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit disappointing. Um, it's a little bit unfortunate. Yeah. I hope they bring something back, uh, along those lines. Um, I feel like a bunch of different power gamers are going to, or like rule lawyers or whatever, basically come back in those surveys being like, Oh, it's too powerful or whatever. Um, even though it's it's really more aesthetic in my opinion, um, so the feats have also been uh, restructured, uh, and uh, you know they're making them more like mechanics that we've seen in like previous D and D source books, uh, specifically like the mm. knight feats, 
um, have really changed uh, for that like background and like the, the features associated with it. So like the the, the different night features uh, are actually uh, instead they're using like superiority dice uh, for the yeah. maneuvers they get. And of course, they're now getting like just battle master maneuvers uh, instead of, you know, those interesting uh, mechanics that we saw that were like specifically different and new and engaging um now it's just yeah you get certain maneuvers and then you get like two extra d8 superiority dice um and that that that's it yeah a little closer to what we've already seen published um i actually don't think i mind this for a very specific reason and i know that we said like oh like we're not looking forward to 5e 5.5e whatever that's going to be i think this might point towards them changing kind of how fighters work in a newer or in a revised edition of 5e because i really do think that um i i, I don't quote me on this i'm pretty sure in their play testing when it was called D next that all fighters got battle master maneuvers yes uh, and then like that was just added like, like that was limited. part of the base class yeah. yeah so i i think i really think that that is a good idea um based on the fighter that we have published in 5e i think that like having instead of having like a battle master class that has these maneuvers having all the fighters have access to these maneuvers and then on like that's just part of the base fighter class i think that's mm-hmm. a really interesting that would be a really interesting move um and i think this might be hinting towards something like that so that's the only reason that i don't mind this change that much um is because i actually do think that would be a good situation now that's obviously that's speculation so i can't say whether or not that's actually going to happen i can't say if this is necessarily confirmation or even hinting at that kind of situation but i, I would be looking forward to that Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if you're looking at purely, like, you know, combat mechanics, which is what D&D is, is built around, right? Yeah, um, the, the fighter of fighting monsters. Yeah, the, the fighter is regarded as, as one of the best, if not the best, martial class. Um, yeah. And specifically, like, the Battlemaster is, is mm-hmm. seen as, as one of the best or the best uh, subclass for that. Now, what I, what I do think about is, like, while the fighter is supremely powerful and such like it's got the most attacks um and like the most ability score improvements and such like it's really cool for those aspects um there's there's very few like special mechanics for for the fighter to make things more interesting right because obviously unless Mm. you're going with like you know um the eldritch knight like you're not getting any sort of like spell casting or anything so there's not much variance so it's really up to the imagination of how you swing your sword or how you yeah uh you know shoot an arrow or whatever I, I I am a little bit bummed that there isn't more aspects in the game specifically built around sort of like variants or, or any sort of special maneuvers around that for other classes. Um, yeah. So bringing in superiority dice to all and those Battlemaster maneuvers to, to all subclasses is an absolutely fantastic idea and I, I would be really for it. Um, though I, I guess I see an issue like if they do decide to do that, then what makes the Knight of Salomnia feature, like what what makes those those feats that you can get with that, like what makes it more interesting? I guess like yeah. I, I I I almost feel like as why though, would you like what what's the unique thing that you're getting right? Yeah, really I I almost feel, feel as like. though it's like almost better not to be a fighter if you're gonna take those feats then because I get like you. yeah using, yeah yeah like ha- I mean, having those sense. having a couple of maneuvers for a monk or uh, a paladin would be like super helpful i think and it, it would be like really more interesting than having a fighter who already has maneuvers and then oh yeah you get other maneuvers that you might already know or whatever yeah right it i actually like... i think that makes a lot of sense yeah i, I think there's, there's obviously already some like in the published rules some overlap in terms of 
mechanics like a like a, for like a fighter would never take like weapon master for example because it would be a completely redundant feat so there's not there's precedent for it um but i, I see what you're saying like i mm-hmm. I, I i think you're actually 100 percent right yeah um yeah but that that brings us uh to i guess the end of our follow-up segment yeah so there's um, the recap yeah <laughs> <laughs> following up on everything that we've talked about in the last couple episodes in terms of D&D news, uh, the first thing that I want to cover, because this is exciting to me, um, is the Matt Coville MCDM uh, monster book. So as of recording this on their Kickstarter page, there's 37 minutes to go on this Kickstarter. Um, so we have, if you haven't already uh, backed it, then you have kind of missed your window by the time you listen to this. But in, for those who are not familiar, MCDM is a, uh, a tabletop gaming company that's making supplementary material to 5e at the moment. Um, it's run by Matt Coville, who is, uh, he has a YouTube channel running the game series um, that probably is, he's best known for. He's also an author. It's the MCDM version of the Monster Manual. It's called Flea Mortals. Um, so basically, Matt Coville and the design team looked at the 5e monsters and said, hey, a lot of these are just big bags of hit points and they're not very interesting. So how can we change that? Um, so the the crux of this book is that it's uh, it's a it's their versions of monsters from D and D. So it's their goblins, it's their skeletons, um, and their versions of like um, beholders, for example. Um, so the design in this book is largely based on um, a, a YouTube video that came out in 2019 called "Action Oriented Monsters" on Matt Coville's YouTube channel. We will put a link somewhere because that video is probably the single most important video to my. DM experience. It's, it changed the way that I make encounters, um, which is obviously the, like one of the most important parts of D&D. So I highly recommend watching that video. Uh, and the design from that video is basically what inspired um, this book. Um, so it's a whole bunch of new monsters. Uh, a lot of them are going to be that action-oriented design. So for example, um, you can actually get a, uh, a free preview on their Kickstarter page. Um, and I'm sure you'll be able to access that even after the Kickstarter is over. Um, but to give you an example, they have this uh, Goblin Queen um, as one of their like free example monsters. Um, they have a and bunch instead of, of examples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, so you can see like they, they basically the idea here, like you can see there's like a dozen different goblins. They basically wanted the idea that like you could run an adventure just fighting goblins and your players and the DM would never get bored of just running goblins because there's enough variety within just like the idea of a goblin that it would remain interesting. Um, but specifically, so one of the examples of this design is um, for this goblin queen, um, instead of just having legendary resistances, like instead of just like, oh, you fail or like um, you, she has to make a saving throw and she like succeeds automatically. Um, instead of just that happening, which is, you know, it can be a little bit boring. It can feel kind of bad to like use a big spell and then just be like, oh, it doesn't work. Um, she actually has to sacrifice one of her goblin minions in order to automatically succeed on the saving throw. So she like grabs one of her goblins, like puts it in the way of like whatever spell effect, which I think is hilarious. Um, there's just like a whole bunch of really good stuff in that free preview. I highly recommend checking it out. Um, they have like their own version of the uh, Beholder called the uh, Overmind, which is also fantastic. So yeah, check that out. Um, that that free preview, it, 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 as well as just like a whole bunch of different monsters. They also are importing the minion rules from 4e into 5e in order to make it make sense. Um, they have some companions in here, which are going to be backwards compatible with the Beast Heart class that they just released uh, a few months back. So a lot of content. Um, it is, to be honest with you, the, the book's not going to be cheap. Um, the, the digital version itself, just by itself, is going to be 40 American dollars. Um, so not cheap, 
but MCDM has put out some really great products in the past. Um, Kings and Warfare specifically, I've really gotten good use out of. Um, and then there are two uh, custom classes, the Illrigger and the Beast Heart, have also been fantastic. So um, I highly recommend checking it out. Even after the Kickstarter is over, um, you'll be able to, you know, obviously you'll be able to purchase the book outside of a Kickstarter situation. So highly recommend um, checking it out and even just like watching that action-oriented monsters video and looking at the free preview because there's a lot of really, really good stuff in there and you can just take it and put it in your game. Um, mm -hmm. So this is very exciting to me. Very, yeah. very exciting. I love Matt Coville's stuff and MCDM's products. So Yeah, I personally, I, I think that this is really quite interesting uh in the way that it's kind of got um you know actions bonus actions reactions villain actions yeah. all, all this kind of stuff it does seem really interesting the way they have things like you know considering that like uh queen goblin reference that you were using uh you know what one, one of their bonus or their bonus action here is called get in here and the idea is that the queen shouts for aid and 1d4 goblin minions appear in occupied yeah. spaces like that that is such an interesting and fun aspect and and there's no limitation to this yeah. right so it could be like every round yeah, you know every, uh, an every extra 1d4 right which yeah. could be you know it, it could be four goblins it could be one other goblin right but like i i think what makes this really interesting is even though uh the goblin queen is like a cr3 leader apparently um it is uh it, it, it's it's more interesting in the aspect of you know how you take out high level players in D D? You send waves and waves and yeah. waves of low CR creatures. Just because of action economy, it's going to really wear down on that party, right? So yeah. like the, the the challenge rating for this uh to me instantly spikes it up and that would be such an interesting you know, little arc for even higher level players to do, right? And, and looking at those mechanics and the way that you can, as a DM, utilize the mechanics to work in your favor or rather utilize yeah. the, um, I guess, passive aspects of those mechanics really is quite an interesting way to look at that. And you're not going to get that with Wizards of the Coast's published material, right? Because they've made the no, mechanics absolutely not. in the no. in the active way, right? So the, each mechanic is actively doing something, but the passive aspects of mechanics uh, do make the the game more fun. I think. Yeah, I just i I think it's fast. Like the the the, the approach that MCDM takes to monster design, I think is fascinating. And like if you watch that action oriented design video, the idea is that like you can see. Queen Bargnot has, um, and like she has actions, bonus actions, and reactions, as well as those villain actions which she can take. Like at the end of other players' turns, they're effectively like a souped-up version of legendary actions. The idea is like if player characters have access to actions and reactions and bonus actions, then if you really want like a boss monster to feel like a boss monster, they also have to have access to all those things as well. Because um, really, like anyone who's run Five E knows that like it's really hard to make one creature, no matter how hard, how difficult they're supposed to be, feel like a real boss fight because because of action economy, because of the way that 5e works, where it's like, even if, you know, even if it's supposed to be a deadly encounter, five players against one big monster is always going to be incredibly one-sided. So they need to have some kind of edge in order to make it actually feel deadly. So this is um it's it's just a continuation of that action oriented monster design which I, I again like i love it's changed the way that i think about encounter encounters and designing monsters so yeah 100% i i think like if you j just in the in in the general space of if you 
want to be, you know, making your, especially your boss fights, uh, you know, more interesting, um, the way that you build your, you know, big baddie or boss or whatever, um, that is, that is going to deeply impact, you know, how the group perceives that, that aspect. Right. Um, and so, you know, thinking about the different mechanics that the players have, utilizing those and thinking of this, like thinking of that, that boss monster or person, whatever, as a player um, and building them like that can be really, really beneficial for, for, I guess the real feel of it. Um, But also, yeah, use of environment is also absolutely huge. I'm just going to give that uh, advice, throw it out there. Um, you know, having an unstable environment or something is super fun. Having, yeah. uh, you know, uh, uh, effects for spells uh, in the environment is also really beneficial. Like if you're in a dungeon um, and someone uses shatter or something, like that's got a huge range uh, that could potentially blow out some uh, columns that are supporting the, yeah. the, the, the ceiling and stuff that, you know, that, that kind of aspect huge right you can have uh you know unstable uh energy sources right that are launching out uh bits of energy you know every 1d4 or something uh rounds or something that could also be uh something to to utilize in that aspect just just making it feel real is uh you know something that i think wizards of the coast content sometimes lacks and that's partially because of you know the workload that a dm has but if you really want to be putting that effort in there uh, Matt Coville's sources seem to be, I mean, I, I don't use utilize them nearly as much as you do, um, but they, they do seem to be such a such a beneficial resource because they look at those things. But like, I guess m- maybe if you want to, m- maybe if I can ask, uh, you know, just as like a, a prompt here, you know, what um, what what benefit do you have a, a, as a DM or even as a player uh, for you know, utilizing these resources that are outside of Wizards of the Coast stuff, you know, like the the, the uh, Matt Coville stuff and all that kind of stuff. What benefit do you see or what benefit do you have from utilizing that in your D&D games? Yeah, so uh, from a DM side, I think, I, I know that I keep saying this, but just like the action-oriented monsters is such an incredible idea. Because um, Matt Coville and his design team definitely take a different approach to designing 5e than the actual designers of 5e do which is like obviously you know it's not going to be a one-to-one mapping but the way that they do it's really interesting um because i don't think like wizards has this approach to try and make monsters feel deadly um which tends like if you look at fizzband's treasury of dragons for example like they do have those i don't i don't remember exactly what they're called but they're like the primeval dragons like they're really really old huge dragons um and they look really interesting on the surface, but when you read their stat blocks, like it really is just a big pile of HP um, with a couple of elemental attacks. So taking a different approach, just trying to um, trying to take monsters and put them on par with players in in interesting ways, rather than just have them like, oh, they're just going to survive a long time. It's like, oh no, take a different approach, right? Instead of having them survive ten rounds, have them survive for four or five, but have those four or five rounds be really really interesting, right? Like ha- have those abilities actually matter um with this action-oriented design like i've done a couple of these in the past or a few to be honest with you Um, a couple that stand out to me is like i designed an action-oriented um uh, hill giant which like uh, one of his actions was he could like 
uh, throw like a rotting pumpkin at the players, which would cause like bludgeoning damage and knock them prone. Um, he had like the sweeping attack, which could hit more than one player at once. Because if you really want one creature to feel like a boss monster, you have to give them these edges over the players. Otherwise, it's not going to feel any different. Um, the other side of it is that uh, like as a player, uh, when they release things like the Beast Heart, which is kind of their version of the uh, of the Ranger Beastmaster class, um, where you, you are bound to, and they, they don't limit it to just beasts. Like there's also, like there's an elemental, um, I can look through the PDF, there's like a whole bunch of them. Um, but like they, they've taken this approach where um, they've looked at the flaws that Wizards, like they, they've basically been able to look back on what Wizards has kind of not done super great. And then... Um, create it in a way that feels good for players so i think pretty much any resource they've come out with um that i've used has been super useful um, i know that brent has really used um a lot of those um the intrigue mechanics that they've done with kingdoms and warfare uh, where you have like these factions then like there's there's certain levels of like intrigue and knowledge that you can gain um and it just it makes the game feel layered um like wizards hasn't yet done so there, there's definitely um, there's a lot of advantages to using these products from like people that aren't wizards not just mcdm specifically but just in general like w designers that aren't inside of wizards of the coast kind of um dogma i don't want to use that word you know necessarily but uh it's just it's the one that comes to mind it's just um like a different approach to the design um which it, it doesn't always work but it's always interesting for sure just to see how other people kind of approach Dungeons and Dragons design. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, like we, we know that in, um, you know, we both know from our experience with uh, with Rob Winger and Chicken Scratch that there is a mm -hmm. uh, a certain level of desire for cohesion in, uh, yeah. you know, publication. <laughs> so, uh, you know, different aspects of that, especially when writing in in groups and and having some sort of uh, compendium of items from or or pieces from multiple writers and artists um there has to be there has to be some sort of uh cohesive aspect to it right so if you have something that has all these aspects uh and then another thing that doesn't right it, it becomes lacking so you know I, I guess that's kind of what you're referring to with the dogma right maybe that's a safer way of saying it yeah um, probably yeah just you know publication cohesion um yeah 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 yeah, yeah. where i think um there's, there's definitely, like, obviously there's cohesion within MCDM's products as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you've ever read, for example, like, they have a, they have a uh, it's called Arcadia, which is, like, oh, it's almost like a magazine. Um, and all of the things that get published in Arcadia definitely feel cohesive because they, MCDM likes to pick and choose who they work with. Um, and Matt Coville has talked about, like, and, uh, Arcadia has, not intentionally, uh, but definitely um, a result of Arcadia and, like, having these published every so often is that they are able to kind of find who works well with MCDM and then bring them onto the larger projects. So there's definitely some level of, or there's definitely a, a huge level of cohesion within MCDM and there's a huge level of cohesion within Wizards. Um, mm -hmm. And even though they don't necessarily overlap that much, the products work together really, really well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that all sounds really good. Uh, yeah, definitely. If people are thinking about bringing in these other aspects, I also encourage like, you know, things like DMs Guild, which is independent artists, yeah. uh, you know, presenting their work Huge. and stuff. Uh, usually a lot of it is free, although please, if you are able to, or if you have uh, the means mm -hmm. to do so, um, yeah, please, uh, you know, pay something, <laughs> you know, a buck yeah. or something. You can for really, you content. can find some excellent adventures, um, some excellent custom stuff on uh, on the DMs Guild. Obviously, there's like some some of the famous ones, like the um, the Pugilist class that's on the uh, DMs Guild that's like mm -hmm. super popular. But then there's also like um, some really 
some underground stuff. Like there's a, there's a couple of l- low level adventures that I've taken from DMs Guild, which have been just absolutely fantastic. So um, I highly recommend like if you if you're looking for those kind of third party resources, the DMs Guild is the number one resource for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've I brought in stuff from there, like uh, you know the, the the chain dancer and things like that for uh, yeah. you know building up enemies and uh, different aspects like that. There's also some really just like you know fun and playful things on there as well. That's like very heartwarming. Like uh, there's a paladin uh subclass called oath of the ally right and it's all about like uh supporting people and such um it's it's very like queerly written uh which i quite enjoy um yeah i mean like it's it's definitely not the most powerful paladin um by by any means um but like it is i i think like really interesting as uh you know building up a paladin almost like a support class um all right so i guess uh you know the the big kahuna the big yep. the big boy that we're we're most excited for or at least i'm most excited for hey man uh, I, I can't say i'm not excited i i will admit that. <laughs> uh yeah definitely the, the the most exciting thing uh that is coming to D 5e as we know it so far i, I i'm gonna say for the entirety of 5e's mm-hmm. history uh is finally coming it has a release date august 16th 2022 Woo! baby we're talking about spelljammer Spelljammer. It's about time, eh? It is about goddamn time. I have been waiting for this for like four years. Yeah. It's really, uh, I don't know if you saw on April Fool's Day, right? Like just before this was announced, uh, the D&D Twitter was like, oh, Spelljammer confirmed. And everyone was like, fuck you. This is so mean, you bastards. And like three days later, they were like, no, for real, Spelljammer confirmed. Yeah, it was like an April Fool's Fools. Spelljammer, it is it is coming out. It's been confirmed. We yeah. have so much information all, already about what is being uh, released on August 16th. Um, yeah. Although we have very very little information about what is going to be in between those individual pages but we know what is being handed into us and it's something that is i i think personally going to be incredibly exciting for anyone who's yeah. really just into the game and loves these urban play settings um th- this might actually be the the first time that i actively utilize a wizards of the coast published adventure well, play setting. I, I don't know about adventure, but like a play setting particularly, because I've always used homebrew play settings. Um, so this is this is big for a lot of people. Um, yep. Yeah. So basically, it's being released August sixteenth, twenty twenty two, in a box set, and uh, the box set is uh, set only for the pre orders right now. Um, the pre orders are available right now. Um, I've already done my pre-order through the Guildhouse uh, by St. Clair West in Toronto, um, and that's specifically for the alt cover, uh, because of course, like most big pre-orders for D&D, there's an alt cover option that is only available at independent bookstores. So fuck you, Amazon. (laughs) Make sure to check out your friendly local game store. Yeah, so uh, basically uh, the box set comes with uh, three books, uh, but it also comes with uh, a poster, and uh, a yep. new DM screen, and they said specifically a new DM screen for this play setting, which, which makes, is very cool. Yeah, which, very very cool. Yeah, it, it definitely makes me think that uh, you know the inside, you know DM side information 
um, yeah. that that's going to have things that are specifically uh, built around the astral, uh, the astral God, plane, I hope the astral so. sea. Yeah, I, I'm I, sure I there's going to be I like, want some, some sort astral of shit sea random and table in, uh, encounters on the inside of my DM oh, screen. Yeah. I, I want I want like alien name table on my DM screen. Like, I, just, I mean, yeah. personally, I'm most hoping for like some sort of like ship combat mechanic or like ship yeah, mechanics yeah, 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 yeah. It, on the DM screen. Sick. That's that's what I need on that dm screen if it's specifically for this play setting um but yeah we've got we've got three three books all all of the books are 64 pages which i I yeah do we have three books (laughs) yeah i I was gonna say because they're small they are they are small and honestly two of them could just be one book this is my copy of the ravnica setting um book which is 256 pages um as one book so this, it, I don't know why they didn't, they, you have it written down here. I don't know why they didn't just make it two books, but I guess they wanted to separate it. Like, or I don't know. I, do you have any explanation for this? For these short, small books? No, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna run through and just describe some of these books. Um, we've got the Astral Adventures Guide, uh, Boo's Astral Menagerie, and then The Light of uh, Xeraxes. And um, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right, but also I don't give a fuck because it's just written. Xeraxis, maybe. Xeraxis? It's either Xeraxis or Xeraxis, right? Um, yeah, one of the two. But in regards to these books, uh, so we've got the Astral Adventures Guide, uh, which contains info on the play setting for both DMs and players, is what they say. Um, and it also yeah. has like character building options for Spelljammer specifically, and uh, building info for trips to, tra- uh, sorry, ships to traverse the astral sea um, plus a bunch of like extra spells and magic items which is super helpful um, so that's basically for dms and players both is is what they're saying um, the uh, booze astral menagerie uh, the bam is uh, specifically targeted towards dms is what they're saying and is yet another monster book uh, which is funny because they're trying to condense all the monster books but they're they're bringing out another yeah. one um, and it contains monsters like the Lunar and Solar Dragons, uh, Astral Elves, Murder Whoa. Comets, Murder Dude, Comets. I don't. The, this, I don't know. The, the the sentence Lunar and Solar Dragons makes me very excited. Oh yeah, I I am. I, I love super that. excited about this. I mean, honestly, the idea of a Lunar Dragon feels uh, so necessary for Dragonlance as well. Um, yeah, true. Yeah. I don't know. I'm imagining like. In my head, immediately, I'm like, I really want to play a warlock with a lunar dragon uh, patron. Like in that my head, so that's exactly cool. where I go. And I don't like, I don't know if there's a subclass already for it, or if I need to homebrew one. I don't care. Like I'm, I'm there. Yeah, I, I would love to look at that kind of aspect. I mean, like, yeah, we don't have a. Do we have a draconic warlock? I don't think we have a draconic warlock. We don't. I, I. So how does that a, not exist yet? Side tangent. So. This is the thing, right? Like, it feels really, really obvious to have a Draconic Patron, and it's something that's been homebrewed, like, a billion times. Speaking of the DMs Guild, you can probably find, like, a trillion uh, Dragon Patron Warlocks. The problem is that, like, they 5e has specifically set up that there are otherworldly patrons, and dragons are, by default, lower from the Prime Material Plane. So it's, like, it's it's a weird situation that Wizards of the Coast have written themselves into a corner. Uh, but I, I, they should really just have a Draconic Patron. I mean, yeah, that, that you can like reflavor the Fiend pretty easily as like yes. a fire breathing dragon patron but yeah. like what if you want an ice dragon right like anyway yeah you're, you're entirely right um like that that whole aspect is it, it just feels like a bummer um yeah. but uh regardless of that uh they also have murder comets uh that i mentioned before um which is 
I, I, I feel like that if, if there's a comet headed towards me, um, that is a murder comet. Um, yeah, by definition. Yeah, specifically <laughs> so. Uh, so Although, can you charge a comet with murder? I don't know if that would hold up in court. Uh, probably not because again, they're like, this is why it's weird having it in a monster book because they're inanimate objects. They're just, they're just, right. uh, floating, uh, rocks in I don't think in a comet's capable of like a crime. I yeah. don't think they're able to like. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna blame Sozin's comet for the airbender genocide. I'm gonna blame Sozin. I, I might. <laughs> okay. I mean, if, if, oh. if you want to, that, that's cool. Maybe partially. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I guess it was like one of the tools that they used, uh, but it's a natural occurring phenomenon. I don't know. Yeah, I just, um, yeah, I don't think it would hold. Anyway, it, it would bring Sozin's comet to the hog. Yeah, uh, bring them to the stand. We need to be questioned. Uh, they yeah. are rec- they're receiving a subpoena as soon as we can trace them down. Um, it may take a hundred years. Anywho, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually a pretty good joke. Thank you. Um, he kind of he kind of nailed that one. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, uh, anywho, uh, you have space clowns written down. Yeah, they had in, Can in, you explain in their what advertisement. That they had in their advertisement space clowns. I that, that that's why space I wrote clowns. it down. They had it advertised, and I'm space like, clowns. what is a space clown? I I need to know space, what space, a spa- like, space like. Are, are are we clown. just gonna see like Pennywise in a in a spaceman outfit? Do they mean the 1988 sci-fi horror film Killer Clowns from Outer Space? Good God! I hope so. I did not know that existed, but now, now that is uh, my favorite movie. This is not good podcast material, but I'm going to send you a, a still image from this movie, and I, I, you'll never get this image out of your head. I am so fucking excited. Are you sending this into the Discord? General. Oh, good God! That is that is yeah. quite something. Okay, I'm going to have to That's... put this in the show notes. Um, <laughs> this is. This is uncomfortable. Oh, do they have a ray gun? Yeah. Does does the Sorry, okay. Yeah, it appears to be some kind of weapon. Okay, yeah. yeah. So to paint an image to the to the to the listeners because this is an audio only medium. Um there is a uh very very uh disgusting looking uh disheveled horrific uh clown man thing um almost looking as if it's uh mid orgasm. Um and it's 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 just awful. Uh, it it kind of looks like a th- th- there's no neck. Um, it, it almost reminds me of like Pesci from from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. But uh, they're they're holding a puppet, and the puppet is also a clown. Um, and that that puppet is also holding what appears to be a ray gun, um, which is just fantastic. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I like about this though. It it really does show class hierarchy in in a very critical way, in the way of delegating things to the point of obsolescence. You know, if, if you've got a hand puppet, why does the hand puppet need to hold the gun for you? It's a really good question, mm, and I would love yeah. to know the. I I think we have to watch Killer Clouds from Outer Space from 1988 to know the answer. Yeah, I I think we obviously do, and we need to talk about <laughs> its importance in uh, class structure and capitalism. But anyway, yeah, they've got space clowns. So they do. They be having space clouds. There's that. We got space clowns now in in yep. uh, the astral sea. Um, I can't wait to know what they mean by that. How much do we know about the adventure? By the way, I know that you it's 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 you said it was level five to eight. Uh yeah. So uh the light of uh Zaraxis, uh is a adventure book. It's again like it's sixty four pages. Like that. That's like I want to say maybe like two of the uh you know tales of the yawning portal uh adventures stuck together in a book yep. um but yeah it's specifically it says it's specifically for levels five through eight um and it could 
I mean, like, personally, I'm thinking that with that limitation and, and that small, you know, character progression, uh, you know, gap, I guess, um, you know, I, I feel as though this has to, has to, has to, has to work well as a starting point for a larger campaign in such a huge story world. Like, that's the only thing that yeah, makes sense to so me. Yeah, I, so I have, I, I take issue with this a little bit because... It's kind of infamous at this point that 5e has no good pre-written adventures for high-level characters. Mm -hmm. And it really feels like Spelljammer was the moment where they could do that. Mm -hmm. Like, where they could be like, here's an adventure for characters from 15th to 20th level. Because, like, the rules kind of get thrown out the window in Spelljammer. Exactly. That being said, there's definitely potential for them to, like, at some point later publish another Spelljammer adventure. Just like an adventure book, purely. Um that does take them to higher levels. I just find it weird that like, that's not something that's bundled into the, the puzzle already. So I don't yeah. know. You, you, I mean, that, that's the thing. Like you're a hundred percent correct. I mean, yeah. If I'm, if I'm looking at this and I'm looking at levels five through eight, but it, specifically if I'm looking at, you know, having a, a, a campaign with my friends or meeting like on a, on a semi-regular basis, cause let's be real. There is no regular basis for D and D content, um, yeah. or or D and D sessions, um, and the fact is, is like you you look at that, and almost every adventure or every campaign that I've ever seen or been a part of, like that's going to maximum like level twelve, level fourteen, yeah, right at that point, Absolutely. like you're ready to take on a Tarask, like yeah <laughs> that's the thing right like absolutely you, at, at that point like that that's where things are coming to a large cataclysmic event because that's as far as we can see but then like you're looking yeah. at okay well you know you've saved this country or you saved this this world or you saved this realm of existence the material plane or whatever um mm -hmm. from whatever the fuck so where do where do your adventurers go on from there Right, I mean, like finding ways to get out into the astral sea and to be exploring. That's that. exactly it, right? Like, like yeah, th that, this that's is, what this it is used the prime. That that yeah. that's what that's what Spelljammer was to a lot of people in previous editions. It was yeah, yeah. Now we've completed like everything in this world. Okay, now where do we go? We go to the stars. Yeah, right. That's that's the natural progression, right? So it just feels like it's a lost opportunity to not already be publishing a high level Spelljammer adventure, but. If it's not coming in the future, I think Wizards is making a huge mistake, to be totally honest with you. It just feels like this is the this is the moment to publish a high-level adventure, and if they miss out on it, then that's that's tough, right? Yeah, I, I honestly think that one of the aspects of this is uh, the fact that, you know, thinking about what is more powerful than a Tarask. Um, two Tarasks. Two Tarasks. Uh, two Tarasks <laughs> Obviously. on the top of each other in a trench coat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one Tarask riding a larger Tarask, obviously. Oh my goodness, that would be... That that would be everything. That 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 is that is the way I'm ending my next campaign. It's yeah. It's it's two Tarasks uh, in a trench coat, uh, and then when they take the trench coat off, it's one riding a bigger one. Okay, uh, write that down. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, it's it's literally like that. That's all the information we really have. Like it's it's a yeah. So because I was gonna ask DMs, you, I, I tried looking for this. I I can't see. They didn't announce what player options are actually being published in this. Right. Like we don't actually have the information for what races are being actually like brought from the ua into this book or if they're adding anything new 
yeah i mean again like you know we, we i couldn't see that information hear, anywhere we did hear aspects of like you know with wild space and the astral sea like you know with astral elves they they, they specifically mentioned right. astral elves there right so the idea of that and then now we have like lunar uh su- like subclasses and stuff for certain things and all that yeah so yeah, yeah i just want to know like some aspect but are like, all of the ua races we saw making it in like are the, the plasmoid and the monkey thing are they all getting in there is there going to be like because i know um the thing that really interests me is that like uh, alongside this announcement they also announced like a a live streaming show which i don't you know it's whatever like i'm sure a lot of people are gonna be into that but i watched the trailer for it and brennan lee mulligan appears to be playing some kind of um a a like a gunslinging mind flayer so i'm curious if there's actually going to be like a mind flayer player character option in the book because it it seems to indicate Unless they're like going some crazy homebrew or something inside of an official D and D product, which would strike me as strange. That so, would, yeah. I don't know. I, I would be really interested to see if there's an official mind flayer player option. Yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah, you're <laughs> you're in, you're entirely awesome. correct. I mean, like the fact is, uh, you know, I, I mean, they they've seen like in in like official D and D content. I'm pretty sure a blood hunter's been used, which is like Matt Mercer's thing. But um, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Uh, but then again, like that that that's also Matt Mercer who has uh become such a uh you know I I don't want to say like hyper inflated, but like has has become like an icon in in the D and D community that that I I think goes beyond uh critical role at this point. Yeah. Did you know that um. Uh, because of like Matt Mercer's influence on the D and D world, uh, the the actual books have gotten more expensive. Like they actually call it. If you Google Matt Mercer inflation, you'll be able to to find something about that. That honestly doesn't surprise me, but that also just ticks me off as a starving student who also really enjoys D and D. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah is, yeah, is there anything else that we wanted to cover about this? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, the the fact is, is like this uh, monster book. Uh, you know, contain certain things. I, I I did actually want to mention uh, when you mentioned the mind flayers, like when I when when people told me about Spelljammer uh, beforehand and stuff like that, um, yeah, and you know told me about it in previous editions and such that I had not played. Um, they specifically kind of mentioned like you know like GIF and mind flayers are like huge aspects mm-hmm. of Spelljammer and like what that used to be yeah, like that absolutely. that that used to be huge parts of the content because like that that is kind of like where they they came from like the mind flare is part of the the like astral sea um or they they yeah. utilize they, they they are born or created in like in, they are the they are the space pirates right like yeah, that's their that, that's their thing yeah gif and mind flares are always uh, opposed at each other and yeah space pirates yeah. and uh you know I don't know the mind flayers. I think are speci- specifically supposed to be like you know they're they're like supposed to take over minds or whatever to in order to hatch yeah. and stuff like that. And so they go into different worlds uh, yeah, through yeah. the astral sea to do that because that's how they can do that, right? And they, because they can naturally uh, traverse the, the the astral plane, they can go in all these worlds and sort of create this like dominion, right? O- almost like a, you yeah. know Brainiac, the Superman villain. Um, so that aspect really does kind of just bring up the idea of yeah like mind flayers need to be a large aspect of this and i think gith too um but there there's no mention of of that in in this one we might get a re- i would be i wouldn't be surprised if we got a reprinting of the gith race in this one that would not i'm hoping so me. unless yeah. they're I, are they being reprinted in monsters of the multiverse i don't recall i don't know i mean we did i don't think that, that they time. are i don't recall that being part of it but if 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 they're not being reprinted there i think they're absolutely getting reprinted in this one for sure yeah uh yeah they have to be um that's the yeah. the only thing that really makes sense i think the idea of having three books does feel a little bit weird especially considering they're all so small 
um, you know, yeah. the the Astral Adventurer's Guide and Boo's Astral Menagerie feel like they could have just been one book together. Yeah, I mean, and part of it is that, like, how how many monsters are they fitting into 64 pages of uh, Menagerie, right? Like, mm-hmm. are there really, is that is that really how much we're limited to in terms of, like, Spelljammer monsters to fight? Like, it just feels yeah. like a very limited amount, right? Like, you, you have the entire multiverse to work with and all. Like, I, I guess it's already, like, they've kind of covered it in Mordenkainen's and in, uh, in Volos and stuff. But I don't know. It feels like a very short book for what should be in there. But I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see, right? Like, we're going to yeah. get our hands on it eventually. So. Yeah. I mean, we do have Monsters of the Multiverse coming out. So that could be, yeah. you know, that, that that could be something that is going to be utilized. It'll tie in, for yeah. sure. But, yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah, yeah, if there is... I mean, there has to be there has to be more playable races. That that's just got to be the case. I mean, they mentioned astral elves in, um, in, in the monster book, right? Uh, for the astral menagerie. Yeah. So like, if it's not in the adventures guide as a playable race after the UA came out, like, I I almost wonder what was the point of oh, that I think UA. That, right? I think that one's guaranteed. I think um, that one's guaranteed. Yeah, it's it's got to be right. Um, like you, you got to have some of these things put in there. I I. I really do hope that they bring in some of those other things that we were talking about. I mean like the um mm-hmm. what is it the 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 gif, the gif. Yeah, the I really I really hope that gets some revisions. Yeah, gunslinging into the, hippos into the final version. Yeah. Um, really like I I just want to know I think plasmoids guaranteed as well and I just really want to know how like what that final published version looks like. But I I'm sure we'll do an episode about the actual book once it comes out so we can cover all this stuff um probably yeah like as long as we're still doing the podcast in in august or september so we'll we'll get there um yeah i've got no plans to stop baby yeah well i mean at at that point we might be getting around our 10th episode so we might have an anniversary to celebrate that would be wouldn't that be something (laughs) i i think that we need to really cross our fingers and hope that the other playable races are in there um i don't think there are any classes that would be coming out here um any subclasses or anything oh i'd be it, yeah i'd be surprised but yeah well i guess we'll see they didn't advertise anything like that so i don't i don't think that's going to be a thing but um we'll see i guess mm-hmm. um yeah i mean the fact is like again each of these books are 64 pages right so like what do you what do you really yeah there's in not there? a lot of real estate to work with yeah so we'll see are i i actually have a I have a question are, are these like the smallest D source books that have come out for 5e or is I, the sword ghost adventure guy let me look up skag i was gonna say let me look up the skag uh page count i think it's gonna be yeah the, okay the sword coast adventures guide is 159 pages long and that's that that, that is universally regarded as like the shortest so far so yeah. the, the, it's more than are... double now okay and I know it's skewed, right? Because it's three short books rather than one medium-sized one. Mm-hmm. So, like, the pages of the box set are more than the Sword Coast Adventures Guide by itself. But, like, each um, each individual book is less than half the size of the Sword Coast Adventures Guide, which is famously, like, short. <laughs> Not yeah. a lot of content in it. Yeah. And, like, all, all, all the D&D books, when they come out individually, they're all around the same price, right? They're all, like, 50, 60 bucks. So then, like, yeah, if you're thinking about buying these books individually then like does it feel does it feel worth it to to pay that much um and also like yeah we'll have to see what the price point is i guess yeah and then at at this point like it just strikes me as strange yeah and the idea of buying the astral adventurer's guide and booze astral menagerie like separately almost feels like pointless to me yeah Yeah. i agree i actually fully agree i yeah i i desperately do wish that they were two books and then that would be you know 128 pages like that that's totally a a a decent book that strikes me they'd still be the smallest it would still be the shortest 5e book but it would i don't know whatever 
It is what it is. We'll see. C'est la vie. <laughs> C'est la vie. Dunk, are we... Is that it? Are we good? Uh, yeah, I think that's it. You got anything you want to... We covered everything? Yeah, you got anything you want to you wanna plug into the, to our many, many listeners? Oh, uh, usually I ask you that question, but I'm glad that you're asking me because I actually do have something. Uh, I have recently started producing and editing um, a podcast called On the Porch with Front Porch Music. Um, if you're interested in Canadian country, uh, and specifically indie Canadian country, um, Logan and Jenna do interviews with a whole bunch of different artists. Uh, we recently had Sasha on the show, and she's fantastic. So I would I would highly recommend going to listen to that if you have any interest in canadian uh country artists and supporting indie indie music in canada mm-hmm. um but that's all i that's all i got what about you dunk yeah uh well i was gonna say uh e- even if you don't enjoy country um you know try and give it a listen uh i i don't really care much it, for, it, for country i'm more of a western person if i'm being honest but um you yeah. know l- listening to uh you know jason's content is always such a pleasure yeah and honestly like logan and jenna are pretty fantastic in terms of like even if you don't care about country like it's just good conversation uh and the people we have on the show are pretty pretty charismatic so even like our most recent episode was uh it's a couple of the guys from a band called the rivertown saints uh which goes in some fun directions brilliant yeah so uh also if anyone is interested in faith and social justice uh specifically uh canadians um but also you got listeners from around the world actually um if you're interested in exploring uh different aspects of christian faith and big ideas challenging uh different assumptions of church doctrine and such uh you know leftist uh conversations through a faith-based lens uh please check out spirits rising uh hosted by the student christian movement of canada uh divi and i have been uh you know increasing our production schedule so we've got more content coming forward uh we're doing less interviews and more uh you know conversations between the two of us exploring different topics and also uh having the occasional guest spurt uh for some fun meaningful conversations uh by the time that this is out uh our most recent episode will be uh an interview with uh Simon who is the SEM coordinator student christian movement coordinator uh for the University of Alberta in Calgary um and his exploration through uh being raised in the church uh in an evangelical uh church community and uh coming to term with his queering identities um and uh figuring out the reconciliation between uh faith and queerness and coming through and finding positive queer christian spaces um so we're talking about that uh, we also talk a lot about like queer fashion and gender expression in in general um you know the episode before that we talked about like uh rest and protest uh you know the aspects of working against the hustle culture uh that has been brought upon us by new late or end stage capitalism uh and of course we also talked about uh, our own faith uh journeys and uh you know being raised in different church communities my co-host divi uh was raised in a uh very more conservative uh gender-based church community and uh i, I was of course raised in the uh, united church of canada which is like super gay um so very different aspects that have uh you know created <laughs> our our formative years in christianity so if uh those kind of conversations or topics uh interest any of you uh please check it out uh, the link will be down below, but it's Spirits Rising, so wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can listen to that one. Speaking of this show, um, you are able to find us on Instagram and Twitter at CWTPOD, CWTPod, uh, on both those platforms. So make sure to give us a follow, send us a message if you have any thoughts or opinions. Um, if you have anything that we want to cover or that you want us to cover in coming episodes, let us know. Uh, make sure to give us five stars on whatever platform you are listening to, as long as it allows you to rate. Uh, Apple Music and Spotify are the ones that come to mind. 
Um, other than that, I think that's all we have for you today. So thank you so much for listening to another episode of Cast Without Trace. Uh, we really appreciate it. And of course, uh, you know, we don't do any advertising uh, of our own. So uh, if you have any friends who would be interested in hearing about D&D content uh, and different ways of running the game, world building, any of that jazz, uh, please suggest our podcast to them. Uh, you know, share our content on the social medias, the Snapstagrams, uh, write our names in the sky if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um write our names in a dream journal and manifest some you know listeners for us yes. we really appreciate it <laughs> yeah and if you are mad at our opinions please uh you know tweet at us and and mention us and stuff so you yeah, know the algorithm know. fixes up more. <laughs> all attention's good attention all right thank you so much for listening really appreciate it and we will catch you guys next Bye. time